1: in three I well, might have
2: to listen to it because she's such an cute
1: I've gone through at the home representative represent that
0: I'm reading that to the i so if yeah. they can't get the answers. how people are people going to get the
2: they know how hard I work and to get
1: nothing at the end of it is very very hard join the conversation call 0818 96 96 text whatsapp 83 396
0: 96, 96
1: email opinion at 96 FM
0: this is The Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. 96 FM.
3: Oh, glorious morning. Forecast for the week is all right, you know. Uh, it'll hold up. You'll get showers, maybe some longer spells of rain. And it's a bit cooler than it was. It was threatening to get lovely there Saturday into early Sunday. It was really threatening to get lovely. Not quite so warm for the week. But nice, solid, reasonably reliable late spring weather, which is about as best as we can ask for. Good morning, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The number, the text or WhatsApp, oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six, and the email opinion ninety six fm dot ie. Communion season continues. I'm not too sure if the confirmations are over yet, but certainly communion season continues. I was thinking of the weekend, knowing what I'd be talking about this morning. Like, what did you get for your confirmation? Did you get money? Did you get clothes? Did you get shoes? Did someone buy you a particular game or particular toy that you wanted? Think back now. Did anybody think of buying you a scrambler bike? No, no, I'm not. I'm not actually kidding at all and I'm not joking and I'm not making it up it's very serious the guards I'm reading in the Echo of the weekend the guards have seized a number of scrambler bikes on the north side of Cork City of late and one or two of them they now believe were bought as confirmation presents and possibly even communion presents presents rather for smaller kids Like you kind of wonder what would be wrong with you What would be missing out of your skull that you'd buy a scrambler bike for a small child? But Gardy have seized a number of them and they are quite concerned about them. Ted Tynan has been ringing me here on the Opinion Line forever about scrambler bikes and we've taken a few calls from people who've felt very threatened and very frightened because they were roaring around the green opposite their houses and people are usually half afraid to come on and tell me their own experiences of scrambled up bikes because, well, they're afraid of retribution no matter where you are in the city. But the they are on alert about it at the moment. They've made a number of seizures in recent weeks. Uh, this programme being led out of the Mayfield district by Superintendent Declan O'Sullivan, who's trying to get the public on board to identify Incidents. I'm joined by Sergeant Brian McSweeney, who is Crime Prevention Officer for Cork City Division, uh, to discuss this. Uh, Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me. We get calls week in, week out from local representatives, from worried listeners about scramblers. I know you've seized a few of them, but people buy them, we're told, as presents for communion and confirmation.
4: Yeah, PJ, and that's the big concern we have here on Gallowshee Con in Cork City. And it's raised here at many senior garden management meetings where it is a concern. And we're getting a lot of calls as well, uh, thankfully, from the public who are supporting us in this and ringing us in to tell us that there's children driving around parks and estates on on, on scramblers. And these are very, very young children. We recently had a 10-year-old where we took a scrambler from. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the concern. Scramblers in, in road traffic legislation are mechanically propelled vehicles. So they're, they're motorised vehicles under the Road Traffic Act. So you're, you're, you're giving a young child a very dangerous piece of equipment and they're not trained or qualified to be able to drive this around the states and, and terrain that they're not used to, as well as they're probably not at all being uh, insured.
3: What does the law say about them, Brian? Are they legal anywhere?
4: There's so much involved with it, PJ, I suppose the biggest thing is that these, as you said at the outset, are being given to children at the moment we can see as presents, uh, especially for communion and confirmation. And I suppose under road traffic legislation, these scramblers are covered under Section 30 of the Road Traffic Act. And I suppose the message that we're trying to get out to adults in particular is that there is legislation there Uh, whereby it's an offence to supply an NPV to a person under 16 years of age for the use of it in a public place. And I suppose the supply comes into in certain categories means that you can... It's the sale, the hire, the loan or the gifting of one of these pieces of equipment. And there's a, a quite a, a substantial fine uh, not exceeding €3,000 or imprisonment, not exceeding six months or both to any parent, friend or adult person that would supply one of these MPVs to a child under 16 years of age.
3: So if you knowingly give one of these things to your son or daughter for his confirmation or communion, you are committing a crime?
4: Correct. And the other thing is just loan it. If you just own it and loan it and say, here you go, Brian, take a spin on that, and I suppose I'm not harping on the road traffic legislation side of it, um, PJ. Like, we have a duty of care as well. To, to, that We don't want in this city any child coming to bed ends by an accident or just by a simple misturning or a fall or a strip or slip on one of these. We don't want any child injured in the city of Cork and we certainly don't want the ordinary person that are going about their daily business in the estates of Cork City and the public parks of Cork City getting hit by one of these things and also seriously injured.
3: There have been near misses. We get calls about it every week.
4: Yes, and that is the concerning factor. And that's why Cork City Gardaí, I suppose at this time of year, I was at a Holy Communion, I have a relation myself only yesterday. And and there's many going on around the county, and young children probably fighting to get a hold of one of these. And we're really trying to just create the awareness to to adults and parents, please, please do not give one of these to a child to go play with, because it's not for children.
3: They probably innocently think, Brian, as long as he only takes it out on the green or on the field into a field he's alright
4: yeah and as we know we were all children one time PJ you give a child an inch and we'll take a mile and it's further afield and what would happen and that's the dangers and the public are coming in on board in this PJ and, and we're asking them to report incidents of children with scramblers around the city and we're getting the calls mm. and it's just not north side it's, it's all of city that this is a problem so your local the
3: station is across it if you should happen to spot one
4: call it in Absolutely. We'd be most grateful to the public if they support us in this because we really want to stamp this out. As I said, we don't want no child injured in Cork with this.
3: Well, I've been saying it for a long time here, Brian, in the mornings. I don't want to be reporting on a serious accident, serious injury or worse here of a Monday morning.
4: Yeah, I appreciate that, Peter. And you're so right. And that's the feeling we have here, too, at Headwaters.
3: Well, I have you, Sergeant McSweeney. Can I ask you about one more thing that comes into us every week or every couple of days, even? Online scams, so many of them. People being caught for hundreds and thousands of euro by a simple text message.
4: Yeah, and it's a very, very concerning one, PJ, and thanks for raising it. Um, And and yes, text messages or emailing or the cold phone call that people are getting, they're probably coming at you in three different ways. And I think nobody has escaped it at this stage. Everyone has got one of these. And we've seen over the last number and weeks and months, there are probably two that everyone have got. And it's from Anpost and from eFlow, which mm. is the, the, the toll bridge company. And it's, it's not their fault. These are very reputable companies. And there has been other ones in the past, courier companies and everything else. Everyone has got them. But at the moment, unfortunately, for On Post and eFlow, there's text messages coming to people. And despite my best efforts here and the support of the media in Cork City, um, I'm trying to get the message out for people to be very, very careful when you get one of these cold calls, uh, text messages or emails from companies. And the biggest message I can give on this is just don't click on that link. The email message coming from eFlow is that you were in Dublin last year and you forgot to pay a toll and they're now asking you to click on the link to pay it. And unfortunately, people are getting this consciousness within them to go about that and they don't want to be owing money to anyone. I, I respect that. And that's us as Irish. Most of us will go and we'll try and pay that. But really, EFLOW will get to you if there is a real and genuine... And they'll have been you before then anyway. They'll be... Well, they'll write to you. They'll write to you, of course. So this is, this, So you have to calculate the contents of the message and, and, and for when they said you didn't pay it. If it's last year, you can really presume that this is a, a fake text. But ultimately... If you get it, you can also ring back to these companies and, and connect and say, listen, I got one, and they won't be long telling you it's false. The problem I have with a PJ, people are not just taking time, slowing down, putting a layering of, of caution into their, what am I going to do about this? And people are simply clicking the link <laughs> and they're giving away what's very important to people is their card details, the whole shooting gallery, expiry date, CCDV code. And then you're giving the, the fraudster the opportunity to go in and really take amounts for whatever they want. You've come across people being fleeced. Yeah, back in April, unfortunately, one here that uh, I've been viewing over the last couple of weeks, one particular intra-party did it, clicked on the text message, gave the details and there was um, three sums of 3,000, so totally 9,000 taken from the card. Very concerning. And there are more.
3: And is there anything you can do there? Because they have willingly, unfortunately, given their details.
4: Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about it. Um, and and when, when it's gone through, I suppose the most important thing is get onto the bank and get immediately your card stopped because they'll continue to, to withdraw unless you, 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 you get onto the banks to stop, you know. Um, and, and there's big sums um, released. And sometimes people, um, they, 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 they just did it and didn't realize I've done wrong here. So I would say that bank, get onto them straight away and sometimes you know, and most banks have out of office out of office hours as well you know nighttime and weekends but but if if you're really concerned and it's a high amount of money um after being released, get onto the guards and we'll try and uh, shut it down with the banks and and stop the transfer going all the way. you know what is positive is that we've we've heard from people over the last
3: few months who, when they did that, alert the bank and alert the guards. a lot of them get their money or some of their money at least back
4: yeah, for sure, and we've had very positive. Um, communi- cooperation and communication with the banks on, on this and, and the fraud department and our own fraud department here. And we've managed to stop the final transfer at the end and, and for substantial amounts of, mm. uh, of money. I have another one here, €2,000 Euro, back in the end of April as well in, in eFlow, clicking the link in 2000. Gone.
3: What are the chances of ever shutting these things down, Brian lastly?
4: Uh, the, the, world, the dark worldwide web, PJ, is a dangerous place and there's a lot of very intelligent people out there trying to get at us, the ordinary person and trying to get that few pound from us and criminals will prey on the vulnerable as you know and whatever's, whatever's captive at the moment they'll target and another thing I'm seeing is we have a, a rugby world cup coming up and we have yeah. Irish fans mad looking to get their hands on tickets to get to France and I've seen now oh, jaws creeping in where the vulnerable Robbie fan is being sucked into the done deals and uh, the Facebook selling tickets for, for, for Robbie World Cups and for the premiership as it's getting getting fairly close to the end now and the, the match price ticket is getting dearer and harder to get tickets and, and the vulnerable are being, are being preyed on and, and people unfortunately are giving away their money to an unknown person yeah. and most probably transferring by Revolut and as soon as the money has transferred into the account of this so-called legitimate seller on the other side the whole thing is shut down and the money's gone. Right.
3: I'm grateful for your time, Sergeant McSweeney.
4: Thank you. No problem, PJ. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Delighted to uh, have Sergeant Brian McSweeney.
3: He's Crime Prevention Officer for Cork City Division, based at Anglesey Street. I brought up the scams thing with him there on foot of a message we got last week from someone who was on the phone who was quite distressed. I'm too embarrassed to give my name and address. I was scammed out of a lot of money and I had to get it out there and warn other people. It's the, there's something wrong with your bank account message and that you have a package scam. But it's not one of those. I wasn't aware of this one and I fell for it. I was scammed out of 8,500 euro. I was in rest, interested in investing money online had that interest for years and finally I decided to actually go for it. I responded to someone who ultimately, it turns out, was only pretending to be an online trader. It's a very realistic operation. It looks like a genuine trading platform. I know what the real ones look like. This looked so like it. They have a site that replicates the stock exchange online so you can look up returns. The person I was dealing with said you have to put in a lot of money to make money. Because small increases in shares add up. Everything was going perfectly fine until I decided I needed to withdraw some money. That's when the trouble started. I started getting every kind of excuse. After a while, I just knew in my head I was being scammed. But then then I decided to play along with the excuses and try and get some money back anyway. That didn't work either. Eventually, I told the person I was dealing with that I knew she was scamming me. And she turned the air blue. I called the guards, there are now detectives involved in this, I told my family there was an unauthorized amount taken from my accounts. I didn't say how much. The detectives have told me, unfortunately, it's 99% certain I won't get my money back because there's too many layers between me and the fraudsters. One red flag the guard mentioned to me, they asked you to be paid in cryptocurrency. They asked me to open up an account with Rubik to get cryptocurrency. It's a perfectly legitimate online operation. I said that sounded complex and I would no experience in it. Ah, here comes the thing. They said that's okay. Download AnyDesk and we can help you to set up Rubik. And AnyDesk gave them complete power over my computer. Now my fear is that they can see the credentials I use to access all my bank accounts and other personal details. A lot of these scams are aimed at older people too. Young people are on the trading apps. Many of them can't afford it, but it's like a side hustle. and There's a little bit of quiet income out there. But I've been looking up what to do if you're a scam victim on the internet. And I'm starting to get ads now. Have you been scammed? We'll get the money back. They're scams themselves a further twist that I'd never heard before yeah a couple of layers in that one I wanted to invest money online a couple of red flags in that one if anyone tell, unless you know exactly who they are if anyone tells you to download any desk or there's a few of them like that and said, I can get into your computer don't not unless you know exactly who it is don't let them do that they can see everything you're doing they can do it in your name once they're in remotely on any desk and it's this and this thing about ads popping up, have you been scammed? We can get your money back. I've been quietly aware of that for a little while. there's are scams in themselves. There's just so much of it out there, which is why I brought it up with with Sergeant McSweeney. 0818969696. Oh, with regards to the scramblers, you could have all the legislation in the world but if it's not enhanced or enforced, rather, what is the point? How many times has anyone been fined three thousand euro or gotten the prison? None. I'm guessing that's fair. That is that is fair. Uh, again, on scramblers, another problem is a proper scrambler can cost two and a half thousand euro and more. This is from Kate. The cheap ones are given for communion and confirmation. They are even more dangerous because there are shortcuts in the manufacturer. And anyway, what the hell are people doing spending that kind of money on a communion or confirmation present? There's loads up there in the Glen as well. There's no need for it. No headgear on them. They're about 14 at most. (laughs) And I asked you before I went to Sergeant McSweeney about the scramblers and people getting them for their confirmation. What did you get for your confirmation? I wasn't expecting this one. A lot of people saying they got money, tickets to a concert, a trip to Liverpool was a lovely one to someone came. Brett, that's a brilliant one. A trip to your favourite football club. I got a polio vaccination in the City Hall and floated all of the class. (laughs) What a lovely confirmation present.
0: Simon Murdoch and the best music mix.
1: Weekdays from midday on Corex
5: 96 FM. I'm here with you every afternoon playing the best music. Got brilliant giveaways. All the latest news. Entertainment. Be honest. Out of 10, what would you give the show? Probably about like 15. No, about 20. Would you like to win some concert tickets? I would love it. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> that would be amazing. So wherever you find yourself in the afternoon, make sure you're with me. In the car,
6: at home, or at a wedding? We are
7: just pulling into Castle Market there, Hotel now. For my sister's wedding Woo-hoo!
0: Yeah, i made of honour So yeah, I was looking Uh-oh. for a shout out Let me show you what it's all about Say, yeah. Simon Murdoch Midday to 4pm On Cork's 96FM
3: Remember that fire station protest We were covering last week The one out in Ballon There, There seems to have been a fairly big turnout Half six Friday evening, but I'm hearing not a lot of politicians, no TV cameras either. Well, there ain't going to be too many national TV news bulletins too pushed about a local ball fire station. I, I do know that, whether you like it or not, but I know we, were, we had some coverage out there. People turned up and got interviewed now that it was waffle. There was some of the any councillors. These people are in the governing parties. Will it take a tragedy for this to be treated as more than a political football? That's from John O'Donoghue, who I think turned up to both protests, the one in the morning and the one in the evening. Were you at the protest in Ballancolig on Friday evening? Who who was there and do you think anything will happen? We discussed it at length here last week on the opinion line and truth be told, it's it's not a part time or a retained service they want out there. It's, it's a full time fire station because it's a big, a big town and the idea that your fire station would only be a few lads on call, with all due respect to them, now uh, we, we need to move beyond that in a place the size of Balancolic in in twenty twenty three. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. See that story at the weekend. Of course, all the schools are starting to finish up now, with the leaving search coming up in June. Hang on a second, and I'll tell you. It is twenty two days now to the leaving search. Three weeks on Wednesday. Three week Wednesday. The leaving shirt begins. And some of the schools are starting to break up or come close to breaking up. And I can remember back in my day, there'd be divilment around the corridors of Cree Street, an open window into the schoolyard. Anything could come in it, put it that way. Might be an egg, might be an empty Coke can. Yeah, back in the day, we did that kind of thing. In Spreadnave and Mount Mercy... Uh, last week they they had a bit of crack they they swapped uniforms this is good the lads put on the skirts and the dresses and the girls put on the trousers and the shorts and the whole thing now now so this was the Spridnave and Mount Mercy and some of the Spridnave lads weren't let into class because they were wearing skirts and blue uniforms and all that but they then met up and went for a game of football they had a game of soccer on the Spritnave pitch the lads in the girls uniforms and the girls in the lads uniforms and great fun was had by all no doubt good innocent fun to finish up the day no harm or hurt or damage done to anybody although I would say that some of those big muscular lads might have left the girls uniforms in a bit of a sorry state I mean can you imagine can you just imagine those big, long, lanky, muscular fellas pouring themselves into small little pinafores? Oh, God, doesn't bear thinking about the state of the pinafores after it. <laughs> but it brings up memories of what you used to do on your last day. I can remember sitting in fifth year in Creasy, the, the year before my leaving, search, And, of course, it was a hot May the end of May, lovely weather, and all the windows, the old sash windows used to come down to maybe a foot. At most a foot, but there was enough room to get an egg in. That's all I'm saying. Do we, I wonder do people still do that. 0818 96 96 96. Now to the driving test and the delays for the driving test. We've covered this at length with driving instructors and people waiting for tests and trying to get trying to get a test. They have a learner permit and they have an offer of a job, but they can't take the job because they can't drive unaccompanied to work. Mum and Dad can't be driving them there all the time or coming with them all the time. We've never quite had a proper grasp on how much of it is out there. Just how long the delays are and how many people are caught up In the system. So, uh, Labour Party TD for Cork East, Sean Sherlock, went digging. And uh, you have some numbers, Sean 60,000 or nearly 60,000 people waiting for tests. And the wait is up to 10 months in some part of the country. Sean, you went after these figures yourself after being inundated with queries.
8: Good morning. Good morning. Like every other TD in the country, PJ, we are inundated with emails and calls from people now who are wondering when are they going to get their uh, driving test? Mm. Uh, When are they going to be able to do their driving test? So on foot of that, we decided to put in some uh, what we call parliamentary questions to seek data on what the real-time, you know, waits are for places like Wilton and Killarney and Mallow and so on and so forth. So at least we could get back to people then with some, you know, solid information in terms of answering the questions as to how long they would be waiting. And if you look at places like Wilton and Mallow, Mm. you're talking about waiting up to 24 weeks uh, to complete your uh, driving uh, test, which is... Totally ridiculous in this day and age. It's six months, give or take. I mean, if you go to Dunleary in Dublin, you're talking about 46 weeks, which is the guts of a year to all intents and purposes. So uh, we're trying to put pressure now on the minister to say, look, can you please bring forward more testers? Maybe go back to how, how it was during COVID as well, where you had additional test tests centres, albeit on a temporary basis, to get the numbers down. What the Minister has said to us is that uh, they're in the process of uh, employing or training uh, or recruiting 75 additional tester drivers, or driver testers, excuse me, uh, and that he hopes then that the numbers uh, or the waiting times should reduce from October of this year. So it, it's... It's, it's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but that's no good to the person who has just gotten their first job or they're changing jobs or they have to travel for work. They've just done their test uh, and, you know, they don't have the opportunity now because they have, they're have they not able to get a test, maybe to take up a job or, you know, still having to drive a company, to, which is ridiculous as well. So uh, I think what the government needs to do now, it needs to take the finger out and really, you know, see this as an urgent problem, because not only is it having a societal effect on people's, you know, own personal independence, but it's also going to have a latent knock on economic effect if people can't take up jobs and if jobs are left, you know, possibly unfilled. So a little bit of common sense here. Uh, And I don't understand why we come back to these issues on a perennial basis, Mm. because with a little bit of planning, you could actually possibly anticipate I'm sure there's some system that would allow you to anticipate how many people will present on an annual basis for their driving test. You you know, you should be able to do that in this day and age uh, with the technologies that we have. If you take it, people book their theory test,
3: they book all their appointments online, they look for their driver's license online. So you have online records of who's looking for what, so it shouldn't be rocket science to translate one into the other.
8: You've just articulated it there, I mean, so it shouldn't be rocket science to be able to put together a system that allows people to at least track all things going well, how long it should take for them and for the system to anticipate how many people will be uh, looking for a test on a weekly basis, monthly, six months. And we're, we're supposed to be a highly innovative country, there shouldn't be any reason why you can't do that. I, I fear that we'll be coming back to these issues on a perennial basis. But what we'll keep doing for our part, I suppose myself and other local TDs and senators and public representatives, we'll keep pressurizing the government uh, to try and bring those lists down because, you know, you don't really want people phoning your office. You're you're always happy to help people and advocate for people. Mm. But in an, in an ideal scenario, issues like this are easily fixable. You know, people shouldn't have to really contact their local TD, that the system should be up and running and operational and should be working for the citizen. You know, if it's a public service, if the taxpayer has paid for the public service, the taxpayer expects that the public service will be delivered to the taxpayer on time. You know, the very minimum is that you are entitled to, in a timely fashion, a test you know you've gone through your requisite theory test and lessons and so on and so forth you know uh, there shouldn't be an issue and if if you feel ready that you're ready for a test and your instructor feels that you're ready for a test well then you know you should be allowed to do that and you should be able to get one in a timely fashion no matter where you are in the country i'm looking
3: at the list of figures you got and up the road in thurlis it's 10 weeks is that a figure that we should aim for nationally or should it even be less than that? Should be as little as eight weeks, maybe?
8: Well, I, I wouldn't split the hairs between eight and 10, for instance, but I think most people are patient and most people recognise that it takes a bit of time to get your test. But I, I certainly don't think we people should be waiting for 25 weeks or 23 weeks or even 46 weeks. So somewhere in around the 10-week mark or slightly less than that, if it can be managed, is possibly ideal. But ultimately... What this is about is about delivering public services to people who've paid for those public services. And so they are entitled to uh, expect that they can receive a test in a timely fashion.
3: Do you think that the government and the RSA and NDLS and all those have the right sense of
8: urgency here, Sean? I find that when pressure comes on them from people like me, that, you know, their, their antenna go up, and they begin to kind of register. Okay, we better, we better do something here. But TDs and senators are, are a bit like the canaries in the coal mine. I mean, we we respond immediately to representations. But then, if if four and five and ten or x number of people a week are are onto you about the fact that you know they can't get a driving test, you know, you're going to reflect that back to government. Now, I'm sure Jack Chambers, who's in charge of transport, must be in his constituency office receiving similar types of queries Mm. in relation to the length of time it's taking in Dublin. But by and large, we shouldn't even be having this conversation if the system is working right because we've been here before. It shouldn't
3: be a thing that I have to ring my local TD to try to get me a driving test.
8: I'm very happy to take the call and I'm very happy to advocate for anybody on any given issue on any day of the week and I'm very happy to take up the cudgel on behalf of people and fight for people. But to answer your question, if the system was working properly, this would be seamless and, you know, there wouldn't be an issue. There shouldn't be a need for people to ring their TDs if the system was working properly. Sean, thank you for your time. Thank you, PJ.
3: Cheers. Yeah, Sean Sherlock Labour, TD for Cork East. Those figures that he managed to get from the Road Safety Authority, so in Wilton or in Mallow, which are the two test centres, in Cork, about 24 weeks or up to 24 weeks, which is a few days short of six months. They did have one of the instructors was telling me about this they did set up another testing centre down by St Finn Bars down by the bars. Uh, They closed it for reasons best known to themselves in the middle of a huge waiting list. Caller says here you'll never clear the backlog because of the bureaucracy. No sooner do you have an idea then they have an objection to it. You're not wrong there. But 24 weeks, 6 months is, is ridiculous. And there are probably people listening to me right now who are finishing school or finishing college or coming to the end of first or second year in college. They've spent the year learning to drive, going out practicing. They were hoping to get their driving test and get it passed for the summer and not just to drive around themselves for the summer. Maybe take up a job. Uh, Maybe the job might be out of the county or down the road a little bit. They need to take the car. They can't take the car. They can't take the job. The bus service isn't there. And people are turning down jobs. People are having to turn down jobs because they can't get a driving test on time. Now, I'm not sure if you ring them up, can you get a rush? They'll put you on a cancellation list and all that. But surely it should, surely in 2023, it should not be taking. A few days short of six months to get yourself a driving test out at Wilton or up in Mallow. If you're in Killarney, it's over six months. Dunleary, this is the best bit, 46 weeks. That's like, that's 10 months. That's 10 months. That's nearly a year in Dunleary in Dublin. But to mind them, they've got their own things to deal with. It's nearly six months, a few days short of six months. For a drive. now, they're now they're not guesstimates. Now they are not speculation. They're actual figures released by the Road Safety Authority to Deputy Sherlock oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Speaking of the weekend, what well, the Eurovision kind of turned out more or less as predicted. There was no three in a row for our man Dermot Manning. France fell away. Really, they were never really in it, even though there was a lot of excitement about the song and Lorreen for Sweden ran away with it on the jury votes, ran away with it. She was almost uncatchable at the end of the jury vote, to be fair to the girl. That's her second win, she won with Euphoria. Now, what was interesting was the Finnish song, I've dumped it off my keys here now, but the Finnish song, Cha Cha, that was a runaway winner on the public vote. And the way they do it in Eurovision these days, and I love it, I love the way they do it, they take the juries. First, from all participating countries, they count those up and then they bring in the public vote. They do it the same way and they allocate that. And Finland ran away with the public vote, but by the time they did, Lorreen was so far ahead on, on jury votes that she, she wasn't going to be caught. Interesting. And we go again next year. A lot of people are wondering, what do we have to do to get an Irish song into the final. She so will try again in 2023 or 2024. You regroup, you go back, and we'll be going to Sweden next year. Will it be Malmö? I imagine it probably will.
5: The Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th.
1: May 25th to 27th. You, me feel you can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favorite sport on Jersey Day.
5: And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get
1: planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You Only
3: on Cork's 96FM I'm going to clear this one before I move on because it came in to me last week and there was a liner in Cove but it's one that could happen again because there would be liners in quite frequently now throughout the summer and great to see them, by the way great to see them, it's fantastic to see them but this came in uh, from last week I dropped my son to the train station in Cove for a job interview in town he wanted to get the half-nine train He then rang me to say he wasn't allowed onto the train. It was full because of the number of passengers embarking from the liner, which was docked at the quay. There was a second train shortly afterwards, but he wasn't allowed on that at all because it was a special train. It would seem that Irish Rail are prioritising one-visit customers over their regular users. This isn't good enough. cannot just have a carriage on all the trains for local users. He missed his interview. I was late for it at least, because uh, I, I couldn't drive him to Cork. The liner schedule is, and this is a good point, the liner schedule is known well in advance of the season. Surely the train people can plan appropriately for it. Please don't give out my name. Of course we won't, but it's a good point. And as the liner season continues, and like I say, always happy to see the liners in. Um, maybe a bit Better planning on part of Irish Rail mightn't go amiss. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now we had a phenomenal response on Friday to Kevin Quaid and his wife uh, Helena. Kevin has a thing called Louis Body Dementia. He was diagnosed in his early fifties, and he was due in here for. 10 minutes and he spent the entire hour here with me between 10 and 11 on Friday and there's been a huge response to that which is available on podcast If you, wherever you get your podcasts you'll find that uh, as an opinion line podcast very emotional uh, discussion and a phenomenal response to it over the weekend Helena, his wife, is also his carer and they talked about their life and about dementia in general and about the different kinds of dementia for example, Louis body dementia Kevin's memory is completely intact but there are many other things many other ways in which it affects him dementia takes many forms susan crampton you heard uh, kevin and helena on friday um and you wanted to talk to me about your late mom good morning to you
9: good morning um pj um yeah um my mom um, also had dementia. She was diagnosed um, back in 2010. Um, she, um, she never really got a definitive diagnosis as such. Mm. Um, we were told that she had mixed dementia. Um, that would have been a combination of Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia in ireland and vascular dementia would be the second most common Mm -hmm. um as her her dementia progressed um the way it presented um made it look more like it was it was actually vascular dementia um she had a heart condition she had heart failure um the uh, vascular dementia is caused by little mini strokes uh, which she'd been having Um, the difference between, I suppose, Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia is that the the uh, progression of disease comes in steps uh, with vascular dementia, rather than the uh, than a, a more gradual process. Mm. So it meant for us as a family that we were never really prepared for what was going to happen next, because mm. the changes were often very very quick. Yeah, so very, she moved very from sudden. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been within a couple of weeks, things got worse very quickly. So for a couple of years after her diagnosis, uh, we were supporting her to live in her own house um, on her own. Um, She wanted her independence. That was important to her. And it was important to us as well that she maintained her independence. Mm. And then she just started, you know, wandering off. And we were getting calls from the local guard station that she'd been found distressed in the middle of the road. It was very distressing for us as well to hear that. Yeah. Um, and we realized then she couldn't she couldn't stay in the house on her own. She couldn't be left alone. So she came to live with me ultimately. And that was good as well. Uh, from her point of view, at least the house was familiar to her. She was used to being in my house. She was used yeah. to me being around as well.
3: Was she, um, Susan, was she familiar with older things, older times, past, past memories
9: yeah, and the first, to be quite honest with you, her memory was bad um, when she was living on her own, but it was more the confusion um, about where she was, what day of the week it was. Her sense of direction went completely. Mm. Um, so she, like, I, I suppose it's a bit of, you know, a bit of a cliche that in some ways that, you know, people with dementia remember all the old days and everything. And and she did do that, and we often chatted about you know our past and things that we used to like to But she like to talk about things that are happening now as well. Yes. Things that she observed um yeah. um I think you know she'd be laughing at you know say Donald Trump on the TV or something like yeah. that. You yeah. know it's, it's
3: Kevin it's, was it's, very anxious to tell me on Friday all these clichés we have about dementia to to try to to try to forget them because none of them yeah, actually apply exactly. in the real world. Yeah.
9: Absolutely, and yes, her memory did go. Her day-to-day memory did go, but she was still capable of remember of learning new things and remembering new things. So, um, not long after, about a year after she was diagnosed, um, my my dog died, and we she remembered that had happened, and then I I went to rescue got a, another dog. And she met the dog. And then I was talking to her about the dog, and she'd completely forgotten about the dog. Mm. But like three years down the line, she knew that dog's name and she knew everything about him. Yeah. So she was capable of learning things yeah. because there was an interaction there between her and the yeah. dog.
3: It's strange the various different kinds of, of, of dementia and how it affects the brain in, in different ways. You're a member of the Dementia Carers Campaign Network. And I know that you're, you're big on the understand together symbol, Susan. What's that?
9: Right. So that's a, a symbol um, that, you know, businesses, you know, shops, restaurants, banks can show to show that, that their staff have had the training and are aware of dementia. And that they can they can be they can be open and helpful to people living with dementia. Mm.
3: Is this so that in a um, shop a person a person might get a couple of minutes extra, or there would be an understanding if a person is confused or something?
9: Exactly. So there are there the Understand Together um, initiative um, has training resources available um so that people you know know what to do when they suspect maybe that somebody has dementia and that they're struggling um, from my own point of view when my um when I was with my mom say um it was important to both of us that we got out and sometimes the only way I could get out to go to the shops um was to bring her with me anyway yeah. although she you know it was good for her to get out too so you can't leave a, my I, I couldn't leave my mother um, on her own in the yes, house yes. for fear she'd wander off or, or come to harm. And, you know, there were a couple of local supermarkets we could go to. There was one I completely avoided because um, there was always a sense that it was being rushed. Everything just literally thrown at us. Mm. Um, and that would confuse her more. Whatever. And then there was the, the other supermarket where the checkout assistant would say hello to her, display a bit of patience, Um, talk to her, interact with her um, and that made all the difference to me as well.
3: Okay, okay. she passed, her name was Anne, she passed in 2017 Uh, sorry if you lost Susan and and glad to speak with you on the programme. We learned so much from Kevin and Helena on Friday and we've learned more there now. From Susan, there are no two different, there are no two people the same, if you like, when it comes to dementia but that Just that little bit of understanding, just that moment to care and say, we get it. Take your time. The understand together symbol and a lot of talk about McCroom, which has become a dementia friendly town. We talked about that also with Kevin and Helena on Friday. That podcast is available to you. Also, Kevin's books, Kevin Quaid's books. You can get them at the Bandon Bookshop at Phillips Bookshop in Mallow. They're on Amazon. you can download them to your Kindle, or he'll send you a signed copy if you email him at KevinQuaid9 at gmail.com. The books are called I Am Kevin, not Louie, and Louie Body Dementia Survival and Me.
1: Join the conversation! Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
0: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. (laughs) Fox96FM.
1: The lines
0: are live.
1: Hello. Join the conversation! Call 818 96
0: 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 96 96.
1: Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This
0: is the opinion line with PJ Coogan COX96FM!
3: We got a good story in on driving licenses from South Africa. I'll tell you in a minute. Talk about how they turn over testing there. You wouldn't believe it. You won't believe me when I tell you. Tell you in a while. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The number, the text or WhatsApp Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. And the email opinion at 96fm.ie. And Neil, I'll talk to you in a little while about your driving test. Just give me a couple of minutes. Because we have a giveaway on the show this week. With the biggest 90s and noughties disco. It's at the INAC, INEC e c. Uh, Killarney, Saturday week 27th May Mark 96pm proudly, proudly presenting that event, 90s and 90s with some of the artists that dominated the charts from back then Five are there, DJ Alice is there, Mark McCabe was there loads, loads more, huge night planned at the INEC and we want to send you and three of your mates there with free tickets on us to go to see this night at the INEC Saturday May the 27th What we're going to do is play a song From the 90s or the 90s, we'll choose a different one every day Different style of music every day And we'll just play it for you But we'll play it backwards And you have to tell us the artist and the title Or at least the artist So it would not be too difficult to get the title We'll see, I think this is tough, you get the artist here No difficulty at all I would suspect You could struggle a bit with the title Here we go Even backwards that's a fairly distinctive voice but you might struggle a bit with the title so give me the artist and title here on this 83 oh, 396 96 96. We'll pick a winner towards the end of the show Yeah, that's South Africa story, Neil You won't believe this now Because you're in the middle of trying to get yourself sorted right now But when I was in South Africa I did a driving test Because they needed me to sit their test I failed the first test They offered me another test The next day I failed that They then offered me yet another test the next day. I passed that. I passed third time. In America, in most places, the wait is a week. So it is possible. Why can't we get it together here? They needed her, they needed this person to pass their South African test. And they gave it to her she failed it, failed it, and then third time. But three days. They come back tomorrow, work back tomorrow, come back tomorrow, try again. Neil, how long are you waiting to be called? Good morning to you. How's it guy? What's the story? Good times. Good times. Okay, you're 17, yeah? I am, yeah. And you're an apprentice? Yeah, just just into second year. Okay. What are you apprenticing for? Uh, electrician. Good man. Good man. And you, you're on a motorbike? I am,
2: um, yeah. I got the licence. I was 16 the bike.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you're trying to get a test, are you?
2: Yeah, my... um, I got... The learner permit's straight away, once I was 17, and my six months are just up. Okay. And my my test is six months
3: away. Right. And what's the story with, I, not every, you can't put someone else on a motorbike with you, but what, what's the, can you, can you drive the bike on your own, you can?
2: You can, once you have the learner permit, you can drive the bike by yourself. Right. But I can't take... Basically, any tools with me are... I'm very limited in what jobs I can do myself. I see. Until, and until you get the full license. The biggest issue, really, was driving in the winter and the rain and the ice and... I know. Tops. I know.
3: And your permit is running out, correct?
2: Uh, I think... Well, uh, I've had the permit first six months. Right. Right. But the, well, the bike permit, that lasts two years. Right.
3: Right. But uh And when have they given you a date for your driving test?
2: I put in the estimation and the estimation is for the twentieth of November. Ah
3: here. This is it's not even the twentieth of May, like Yeah. yeah, July, August, that's six months. I know, I know. Mm. What are you going to do? Sorry? what? what how how can you can you ask them to speed it up? Will you will your learner permit permit run out? You,
2: you can't get a priority unless you're a HSE worker or in a, in the emergency services. I had looked on. Right. Yeah.
3: And does this have implications for you, Neil, for work and your apprenticeship and keeping turning up on the site every day?
2: It does. It does. I I can't go and do any jobs myself. Right. You know, simple as I can, carry any tools. There's certain jobs that I've been asked to do, but I've had to turn down.
3: Yes. And if you had your driver's license, you can put a, what, a little toolkit on the bike, is that it?
2: I, I carry a,
3: a backpack. I see. That has to do me. I see. I see. What kind of a bike have you?
2: Uh, just a Baradero 125. One,
3: little 125, okay. okay. So... The 20th of November is the estimate. Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. That's, that's, and you're, you're already passing up on jobs and of course you're only in the second year of your apprenticeship. That doesn't, how are your bosses dealing with it? Are they okay? Sorry? How are your bosses dealing with it? The person you're apprenticing to, how, how are
2: they? Well, happy? obviously he understands I can't do any more, but he is putting pressure on me to go do more jobs.
3: Yeah. Of course, because you learn more. The more you do, the more you learn. Exactly. Twentieth yeah. of November. That is. That is. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> you have to work today or tomorrow?
2: Uh, yeah, um, I work five or six days a week.
3: Good man. Okay. All right. Neil, thank you very much for that. So he's on a motorbike, and he has been given a provisional estimate of the 20th of November as to when he'll get his driving test. This is the 15th of May. So May,
4: June, July,
3: August, September, October, June, July, August. Six months. Six months before they'll even consider seeing him for his driving test. 0818 96 96 96 where well, you compare to what well, we were told about South Africa and told about the States it just makes makes absolutely no sense is there any info on whether the compulsory lessons are improving pass rates for driving tests it seems to be just another money spinner I don't know about that I don't know about that You, my daughter did her compulsory lessons when she was learning to drive and to be very fair the guy she had was brilliant and taught her so much more than I ever could. Really, really good. We just went out and practiced at the weekends, the two of us. Um, but they they were really good. And before the test, he did pre-tests with her in the car, and they were invaluable to her. So not and, and compulsory. I, I would always have been an advocate for compulsory lessons. You know, you've got to be able to have some record of, of learning to do this thing. It's one of the most important skills you'll ever learn, is learning to drive. Just on Cove and the liners coming in, uh, The John says, the port of cork Company have run around Cove, ruffling feathers, blocking off right away, and so on. Oh, this is the one where you can't go down onto the quay when there's a a liner in for that few hours. That's a big thing. You know what, I never had anyone tell me why that's such a big big thing that on the few days in the year well it's quite a lot of days in the year but when the when the liners are in you can't wander down the quay uh, I'm wondering why that's a huge deal for some people and maybe it is, I don't know, I don't live in Cove uh, but if it is a huge deal I'd love to know, why. but anyway John says they're blocking off the rights away. Now it seems Irish Rail aren't considering the local people either We have to live here Often the visitors don't even spend money in Cove We need to rethink how these ships are working out For the good of our town Thank you John 0818 96
1: 96
0: 96. Join the conversation Text or WhatsApp 83 This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan 96 FM. On Friday
3: we were talking to Alison uh, his, She's a crash owner uh, from down East Cork She's written a book to help smallies find their way and they make the move on to big school from from and, and, and playgroup and all that. Um, it's a much tougher time for the smallies than we might have realised. We we look at things differently now, and we realise right, they have a lot to go through in that move from crash to a big school. I'm talking to Alison about her book prompted a call from Grania. Gronya, you you have a, a special schooling experience. For the little ones. Good morning.
10: Good morning to you, PJ. I sure do, and um, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity um, to come on and chat. It's great, Um yeah. So I run a, an independent school called Learn to Le Um I guess it's very unique and um, yeah, very new. I guess. And so learn, really Le Gros, learn to Learn with love. Learn Legraw yeah which translates to learn with love or learn with grow which is short for my name uh, of course. um and i guess yeah that kind of sums up the general ethos of the school is it's a huge focus on love um that kids feel loved and nurtured and that they're um you know that they're able to love themselves that's a, a huge part really is social emotional part is massive um and yeah that they love that they love one another i guess um and so yeah it's 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 for children aged 5 to 8 and i guess the general idea of it is well it it varies for some children it's to afford them those really crucial years to develop a readiness to learn and to just extend the play based years for as long as they want or need it mm-hmm.
3: there's a tendency to look back to our own childhood and think, ah, sure, we, weren't we? Didn't we do just fine without any of this fuss? Mm-hmm. But when we look back mm-hmm. and think of it, we really didn't, but no one knew at the time. We took all these little troubles with us and we just swallowed hard and moved on because
10: no one got it. Yeah,
3: No one understood.
10: Mm-hmm. It's huge, it's huge. I just think it's so prevalent at the moment, people's mental health You know, my generation, younger generation, even older generations, it's just so much suppressed stuff and it's all coming up to the surface. And I guess that's why I am so, so passionate about trying to, um, you know, just give the kids the attention, let them lead the way they know themselves intuitively, what they need. Yeah. And they have a desire to learn when they are afforded the opportunities to do their thing and to, you know, just play, learn through play, um, yeah, so I guess that's um,
11: yeah.
10: that's what led me to do it, really. It's just a, a huge passion for children's mental health, first and foremost, I think.
3: Cause someone called me out on this, Grania, during a conversation one time when I was saying, God, aren't we getting very fussy now about the small kids? Big, huge, it's a huge operation going from small school to big school. Sure, we all did it and we were all fine. And mm-hmm. someone looked across and said, but where are you? How do you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very very
10: solid question Yeah absolutely and you know I started school on my fourth birthday and that just blows my mind now that I have my own children and I have my baby will be turning four in December and I just see him like a little newborn still but I started school on my fourth birthday so it was the last day of September, I was a month later than everyone else joining and like I completely understand my mom and dad's logic, I was very well able. I think I was reading at that point and everything. So it was very much focused on the academics that should be well able for school. And it caught up with me particularly, I feel, in my teenage years okay. and going to college. Like when I think of it, I went to college when I was 17. I was, I was 17 for the first month of college. And I just wish I had been afforded the opportunity to start it later okay. because... I know I would have kind of put the head down and enjoyed studying more in college. I was at the age where I didn't, you know, I didn't really know um, what I wanted to be There's doing at that huge... time. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, but yeah. I just wanted a bit of a break from studying, yeah. studying. I studied so hard to get the points. And, yeah. you know, As... it really is important to find our own selves and to be afforded the time to discover who you are yourself.
3: Yeah. Well, very young.
10: And I think that's a huge thing I see with the children I have. So, I've started this two years ago, and I see them now. And you know, some of them they're all kind of seven or eight now, and they are so sure of themselves, and they've figured out their own quirks, their individuality, they're loved for who they are. And they're so, so, I I feel so confident that they would actually adapt really well in whatever setting they choose after this.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And they in, won't
10: be kind of stifled or lose themselves, I guess.
3: The extra year or two, say you started on mm-hmm. your fourth birthday. Now, starting when you're five or mm-hmm. maybe even five and a half, that 18 months, mm-hmm. there's a huge difference in that 12 to 18 months, is there?
10: Massive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I go so far as to say even beyond that, like children at five and a half or six, many of them, they're not ready to sit down and learn. Like that's not natural for children to have to sit down uh, for as long as they do. Like at that age, they just want to play. And I think play now is hugely important. And it's not it's not um, it's not being. Um encouraged, I guess, because of the use of technology these days, screens, iPads, it's really alarming, and I just think we really have to strip it right back and look to what we did have as children. you know, you you mentioned there when we were young, weren't we grand? we got on with it. The difference was we came home from school and we were out playing all day okay that's that's sadly not the reality now, you know, so it's just kids are losing the the ability to to socialize properly you know you don't socialize properly in a 15 minute break at school um you know it's 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 really sad and it's it it saddens me so much because there's mainstream teachers that are so passionate about the same thing but you know unfortunately our system is just not up to scratch it's mm-hmm. it's not allowing um, I guess education to move with with what children need. So what know? sets
3: your place aside from, say, the other junior school down the road? Figure so it may, I guess
10: it's yeah. Um, well, there's there's I could go on and on forever. <laughs> I sound very confident. Take a couple hockey. of minutes anyway. No, but it's it's. Uh, it's so we run a three day week, which in itself I feel is so much better work life balance. I, like I just think, God, how people are doing at working five days a week. We've all gone a bit mad, I think, in terms of our work life balance. So it's a three day week um, for six hours, um, and they, it's a very small group. So the adult to children ratio is around eight to one. Right. Um, and it's it's extremely child led so our learning will, will really just be led on whatever the children's interests are you know, to give an example the the girls that I have at the moment got into a girl band they wanted to make up a girl band I rolled with it and with that girl band came so much cooperation they were writing songs they had to read song lyrics you know, it's uh, and then like we would do a theme so we would pick a theme we've been working on generations lately so we're learning loads from um, our parents, our grandparents, have come in and offered different workshops. We go to a nursing home to read with them once a week. We had um, a friend of mine who's due to have her baby any day soon, who came to visit to discuss a little baby. Um, so yeah, it's 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 I guess it's very very um, child led and engaging for children. And there's very little sit down stuff. It's outdoors most of the day. Um, Real which, life learning, which, plant, which is which is lovely, Yeah,
3: there is a one thing that comes in co- crops up in my mind though, because mm-hmm. once you get into big school, bar mm-hmm. junior infant, senior infants, it becomes less forgiving as you go forward. And when mm-hmm. it comes to the end mm-hmm. of primary school and those difficult entrance standards into secondary mm-hmm. school, are they going to be equipped for it?
8: Mm-hmm given mm-hmm. all
3: the different curriculums like it, life isn't all about play and happy,
6: life Absolutely. has to be yeah.
3: difficult sometimes and you have to, at mm-hmm. what point did they start to learn that sometimes you're not going to like what happens in school
10: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it's the, the great thing about it is I'm very much inspired by different models of education. So there's Steiner schools, which are up the country. There's a few of them. And they're, they're, their philosophy is that a child is ready to learn from the age of seven. And I mean, there's kids going into school here, four and five, mm. but they're ready. And I see it in myself with my own eyes. I've seen it. They've they reached that age. They lose their baby teeth. They say when children grow their second teeth, you see a huge change. And I've seen it in the children I teach and in my own son in particular. So he was with me um, when he should have been in junior infants. And then he actually joined school, the local school, into senior infants. And he's absolutely thriving. Mm. Um, I guess th- th- to answer your question, it's very much, it's a leap of faith for parents in trusting your children and children want to learn, they, they will get what they want out of their system, they'll find themselves, they'll find what their interests are and then they will want to learn how to read and write to, to follow those interests and then you're, you're away, like I what I cover with, with the children now in my school, they, they would work with me for a half an hour they'd give me their full attention for a half an hour and I'd cover loads and then the rest is done in a very different practical way they're still meeting They're still meeting the targets and I'm not under the Department of Education, mm. I'm not obliged to follow targets or curriculum but I can do that with that
8: age you well, can Given, in Grania,
3: that they will be going into a school that does that mm-hmm. you, you have to kind of mm-hmm. prepare them for it, don't you?
10: yeah and and there is there's a transitionary period where i do prepare them so like my son has has slotted into senior infants my daughter spent um a year with me two two years with me because actually i homeschooled her before i started this and she has just joined back in into second class um and and it's amazing really they are able you know one of the parents left a review for me the other day and she gave an example of it. She said that she compared her daughter to her first, first cousin who's in the same same age but in a mainstream school and they were on a par with their reading, writing and maths. You know, it's it's amazing what you can cover in a very different way. So they are still doing it and then my argument to that would be how does a four-year-old go in and learn to sit still? It's the same way an eight-year-old will if they do, if they do decide to join mainstream. As I said, it's very... Um, child-led and parents do trust that their children will lead the way and a lot
12: of them will join into mainstream, others may continue $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
10: New to homeschool because that's just what their family want to do for them. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully, you, there'll are, be more on Are you in favor of, of homeschooling? Like I know
3: you homeschooled your own little girl. Are you in favor of homeschooling? What, what, what's the arguments in favor of homeschooling?
10: So, yeah, I guess uh, to give my own background, I'm a primary school teacher um and i've been teaching over 10 years and i have three three kids and i guess the lockdown experience like for so many other people was a huge eye opener for me um and kind of gave me the, the kick up the backside to get this going but i watched my daughter at that time she was in junior infants and for her when when we were expected to kind of you know do the homeschooling thing with children for her and for like the children that i taught up in my school i just felt so saddened that they were being expected to to for 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 their families that they were expected to pull out workbooks and do that kind of thing with them i just think that was a complete um uh, i don't know what you would say but like that that situation when we were in lockdown it was so so difficult for so many families yeah. and so I, I, I just let her do her thing and that's what inspired me really because by allowing her to do her thing and just by me observing, facilitating her, she just soared, like she took up sewing, She we got her a sewing machine and she was, you know, learning how to read, she learned how to read herself really with very little input from me mm. um, and, right. I, and it was that that kind of inspired me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then we did i went back teaching she went back to school and i could just see the little sparkle in her was gone again and it's not it's no fault of the schools it's just it's just the way it is and i just thought at that time you know what she was much happier when she was at home mm-hmm. and being able to follow her own interests so i took her out and then one thing led to another my own health took a bit of a knock and um that's what what made me then just pursue this and to go mm-hmm. for it and um yeah yeah, so here okay. we are.
3: People can find you on Facebook and Instagram as Learn you're yes, full, I so take it's it. Learn
10: LaGraw Cool and Tea on Facebook, and Learn Lagraw on Instagram. And um actually on that note, PJ, we have um an open day this Friday coming, an open evening I should say, from five till half six. So um you can actually book a place on that if anybody's interested okay. in, in doing so.
3: If anybody um, take, take And
10: out. no we're not full, we're we're looking for enrolments for um September coming. So if anybody does want to sit down and trash it out, I welcome them to come out for a cup of tea and because okay. I, I know it's a big it's a big leap of faith for families and I'm always open to chatting through any concerns okay. they have okay. or questions.
3: Interesting conversation Thank you. Learn Le Groth, that's brandy you, 0818 96 96 96 So many new ways of doing old things and you have to be open to accept that maybe the way we all did it there probably were better ways uh, just now. I got a phone call at 9.40 the other night from a strange number that started 0504. I was in bed half asleep and I almost answered the call when I saw it. I thought, no way, this must be dodgy. I love the show. Thank you for that. Yep, there's quite a number of different scams out there, I'm particularly taken with that email I read out earlier where a person got scammed um, of quite an amount of money and then started seeing ads for, have you been scammed? We'll help you get your money back. And they in themselves are probably scams. On scramblers, again, Sergeant McSweeney talking about scramblers, the fact that they've taken a scrambler, at least one, if not more, off of kids as young as 10. And the worry, the genuine worry, that confirmation presence in the form of a scrambler, like, give us a break here. It isn't just parks and estates. They're on the main roads up in Ratcooney. Very dangerous road, no helmets, and they get very aggressive when you approach them, they get they can throw stones at you. 0818 96 96 96. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays 6 to
1: 9 a.m. On Cork's 96 FM.
3: A rescue doggy escaped his new owner. Okay, so he was given up by a family. They found him a new home. Yeah, they couldn't keep him for whatever reason. Because he got to his new home and he was like, "I'm having none of this." Really?
5: He trekked sixty-five kilometers and went back to his old
3: family. What? And arrived at the door.
13: But they didn't want. So he knocked on the door, scratched on the door. They opened the door, oh, and they were like, "No, no we, no, you, we got rid." Of... He was like, "I'm back, guys. I'm back." And they're like, "We, we, we, didn't, we don't want you."
5: He's probably wagging his little tail. This reminds me of my childhood.
13: <laughs> <laughs> they kept dropping you off. No how far they went, I walked back from Donegal once.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning test drive the award-winning Skoda and Electric SUV at Nil DC Cars, Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Crox96 FM There
3: is a video during the rounds, just watched it there during the commercial break. It's it's quite disturbing. Happened in broad daylight. In Cove, beautiful sunny afternoon in Cove yesterday. This young fella down on the prom, there by the water, near the centre, I think just across the road from the centre. It's a young lad um, squaring up to an older man and woman. Uh, He rips off his t shirt, he starts flinging punches around. There's then four or five more of them get involved. It's just very unpleasant horrible viewing actually it's about a minute and 40 long and it's flying around Uh, and the prom was busy there was young children there teenagers people out for a walk enjoying the lovely spring sunshine and this thuggery with this young fellow rips his shirt off like he was going in to fight for his country rips his shirt off starts flinging punches around squares up to an older couple Uh, and there was Loads of people must have seen this. Young children. Were you there? Did you see what happened? Do you know anything about what happened? Did it stop? Because the video stopped after about a minute and forty, minute and forty five. Did it continue? Did the guards come? Because somebody was trying to call the guards and get them down. And going through that sounds that like they've been going through that ridiculous dispatch system that the guards have now. Where the guard station is lit. I mean, look at Cove. The guard is. The guard station is three minutes walk away, tops. And they're going through some ridiculous dispatch desk to try and get someone out. But anyway, that video flying around—not pleasant viewing, not for the faint-hearted for sure. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. If you saw that, if you know it went on. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Particularly if you were there, and why wouldn't you be on a beautiful spring afternoon like it was yesterday? Now, eighteen stack, you were in New Zealand um, when you were. Diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. You just thought you had dodgy digestion or something, was it? Good morning.
7: Morning, PJ. Hi. Yeah. So, yeah, for a few years there, I was in New Zealand. I went over in 2017, came back last year, and kind of like late 2017 early 2018 I started having these quite bad digestive issues, problems with my tummy, really bad cramping um, quite bad diarrhoea lots of blood in my stools which as you can imagine was um, quite frightening, you know I was only in my mid-twenties and not something that I had ever experienced previously or knew anyone else that had had that so um, off I went to the GP, I was living in a little town called um, Taupo in New Zealand at the time, um, and I, I think I must have seen two or three GPs over the kind of course of a month and a half over there, and each of them, you know, they were saying, "Oh, it's you know just a bug, or take some probiotics, you should mm. be fine." Um, and yeah, the, sorry, it went on like that for a bit. It, year. Was it
3: constant, or did it just kick off to certain triggers?
7: It seemed to just come out of nowhere um nice. at that time. Um now looking back I did have kind of problems with, with my tummy for you know, kind of starting in my early twenties, problems with things like constipation, cramping, um, bloating. But it wasn't then until it was it was January twenty eighteen that kind of the blood and the, the bad diarrhea came. Mm-hmm. Um so would you like me to kind of go a little bit further oh, into the yeah, story? To, Cause
3: it, 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 it got painful and horrible.
7: Yeah, it really did. It was very horrible. Um, as I said, I was going to the GP and you know, you hear all these stories about blood in your stills, you know, cancer. things around. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, blood, cancer. Cancer, yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, I don't know, did the GP kind of see that I was young and fit and think that it was not likely? Um, so as I said, you know they kind of said, "Get some probiotics, it should be fine and at that point in in january twenty eighteen it did um clear up mm. um and then it came back with severe events then in twenty nineteen we'd moved to to Auckland at that stage mm-hmm. um and it it had went away there for about a year or so um Barr kind of like I always kind of had a little bit of of tummy stuff going on, but yeah. nothing serious.
3: You know, some people's tummy would flare up after spicy food or yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah,
7: exactly. Yeah, I, I never really took much notice of it. So I just kind of said, "Oh, this is just you know part of me or whatever," and then um, it would have been. Uh, July, August 2019 again it started with, with the blood, mm. the bad diarrhea a few times a day um, we were living in Auckland at that time it was with my, my now husband he was then my, my boyfriend and I uh, went to a doctor who eventually took it very seriously so she said look we need to get you to into have a colonoscopy almost immediately. Um obviously the, the symptoms are concerning to her. Um luckily I had health insurance at that time through through Matt's job. Mm. Um so I was able to, to see a, a private gastroenterologist. I think it must have been only two or three days later. Christy. Yeah, so very quick moving and it was all a bit of a, a whirlwind. I, I wasn't even quite sure. I don't I don't even remember kind of being Thinking too much at that stage, there's something seriously going on here. I don't like, I would be someone who would worry about kind of health, but I don't even remember thinking, oh, is this bowel cancer? What's happening? Because it was all so quick. Um, So I went in for a colonoscopy then. It was a Monday. Um, And afterwards, the the gastroenterologist met with us and said, you have ulcerative colitis. And honestly, PJ, I'd never heard of it before. I didn 't yeah. have a clue what ulcerative colitis was. I had heard of Crohn's disease, which yeah. is another inflammatory bowel disease, um, but never never you see so that was quite a um, i guess you could say kind of a life changing moment for me being diagnosed with that with the kind of condition. Would,
3: would you be angry that it hadn't been picked up sooner
7: um <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I, I'm frustrated because because um, it got so bad at one at one point in, in 2021. I, I became really unwell for for that year. I was kind of in and out of hospital in New Zealand, um, and my disease kind of progressed from kind of mild ulcerative colitis into quite severe, what they call pancolitis. So my whole um, uh, colon was quite badly inflamed oh with um, ulcers. And I'm kind of thinking back, you know, if it had been caught at the very start or if I had that awareness or maybe advocated for myself. But most importantly, if the GPs had noted, yeah. you know, that this may be um, IBD, did, that did then you I would did you at one point, medication.
3: Did you at one point were you in fear of a fairly huge surgery?
7: Yes, yeah. So in 2021, um, I was in hospital several times in Auckland. I was really very sick, you know, and so some of the symptoms of quite severe ulcerative colitis that, you know, it, I feel it's quite important to to share the symptoms because they are things that are embarrassing, right? We don't usually like talking about our, our toilet habits or um, things like that. But I was I was in the loo having like really liquid stools about ten fifteen times a day. Lots of blood, severe weight loss. I Pain. would have lost around mm. ten kg or so. Severe fatigue, as you can imagine. I could, you know, barely get out of the bed. Um, just exhausted. Because
3: all nutrition was going straight through you, literally.
7: Oh, absolutely. I couldn't couldn't keep anything down. I was in the loo like. Definitely almost every hour during the day and waking up during the night as well. Um, And so there was one point and I rang my gastroenterologist and she said, you have to go straight to hospital. Um, Because, you know, I was trying to put it off, this whole, I'll be grand, I'll be grand, it'll go away. Because I had done in the past, it'll go away, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, Went into hospital, that was in late January 2021, um, and I had been in hospital then five times that year. And it got to the point where they said, you know, there's kind of, we have to make a very quick decision here we may need to do a full colon removal surgery Ooh. which was terrifying as you can imagine I was over in New Zealand no family around um, I had my my husband Matt who was always so supportive and so fantastic and great friends over there but being told that without you know kind of my mom or my dad or your, close your family entire, around your really, entire really colon scary. yeah yeah so um and it can be the case for, for people who have inflammatory bowel disease that gets to a point where the doctors have to make that decision, <sighs> because you have um, a risk of developing um, toxic megacolon, which can be actually life threatening. Uh, if You can develop sepsis. It
3: sounds as bad as it is. It's a uh, yeah, it's just like that's like hollowing you out.
7: Yeah, yeah. So oh. and and you 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 know, people who have that surgery then have um a, a bag, a stoma bag, which they may have to live with for the rest of their lives, you know, so it can be quite quite life altering for people. Now, thankfully that wasn't the case for me. The the steroids, the intravenous steroids that they gave me at the time got my inflammatory markers down to a point where things were relatively safe for me again. And, you know, thankfully now I'm I'm all good, good. Um, with with medication. I take um, bi-weekly um, intravenous or my own injections. I do it myself at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all good. But it, this is the thing with living with ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease um, is that you never know what's around the corner. It can just come back with a bang yeah. at times.
3: I'm seeing a statistic here. Eighteen, and it's very mm-hmm. common in women in their thirties and into their forties. But the two most common inflammatory bowel diseases in Ireland are Crohn's, which you mentioned, and your one, ulcerative mm-hmm. colitis. Mm-hmm. There's no official database, but it's thought that nearly forty thousand people have some yes. form of colitis. Wow.
7: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot more widespread than. You would initially think and I think that is because of the the almost shame and embarrassment of the symptoms of the disease.
3: We don't like talking about our toileting.
7: Exactly exactly yeah and I've been so shocked and surprised you know I I kind of speak about ulcerative colitis um, as I saw on my um, professional Instagram page so I'm I'm a health psychologist and the amount of kind of messages I get from people people that I know or people that I know of saying, you know, I have Crohn's disease, I have ulcerative colitis. And it's been, you know, such a, an eye-opening experience for me personally. To, and, and, and I think connection and important for, yeah. for the word to be out there as It well. has
3: often struck me as very strange, actually, now that you mentioned it, Aideen, that we are so reticent to talk because, like, let's face it, we all have to use the toilet.
7: <laughs> it's yeah.
3: as normal as breathing
7: yeah yeah I, absolutely yeah, and so i'm i'm part of um Crohn's and Colitis Ireland's campaign now for, for World IBD Day which is this Friday the 19th of May and they're trying to you know really spread awareness particularly around the symptoms, the early symptoms of IBD. So on their website on Crohn's and Colitis Ireland they have um, a symptom checker so you can go on and it's just a really quick, it takes less than three minutes um, just some questions to see if you have any symptoms um, and even just kind of bringing people's awareness around to what the symptoms are of IBD Mm. to get to your GP, get it checked out, Um, you know that that early intervention is really important because I know for myself, if that was the case, I'm not quite sure if it would have gotten so severe as it did a few years later.
3: How important does, a role does stress play?
7: Yeah, so um, interestingly, during that year 2021, I was um, doing my training as a health psychologist in the University of Auckland in New Zealand. So I have a good understanding, as you can imagine, around mental health and stress. <clears throat> um, and a, kind of a particular interest of mine, even previous to my, my diagnosis, but now is is, you know, a deep interest, is the link between our brain and our gut. So yes. they're so deeply interconnected. And stress plays quite a big part in... You know, the, it can play a big part in people's gut symptoms. So for things like IBD, but as well um, IBS, which other people may be aware of. Um, and I look back on that year in 2021, and it's almost you know, to the day that I can pinpoint there was a stressful thing happened, whether it be an exam or you know something happening, and then almost a week, two weeks later, I was in hospital. Now that's you know, it's not an exact science for myself. There's a no, I can't there's, say there's exactly. A, there's enough
3: correlation there to show, co- to, co- to show a connection, definitely.
7: Yeah, absolutely. People and, can find out more, the 18th,
3: yep. Time is going to catch me here. People can find out more about World IBD Day. Is there a, mm-hmm. a, is there a handy website?
7: Yep, yep. So people can um, look up Crohn's and Colitis Ireland. Um, And you can you can find it there. So um, there's lots of information about IBD. They provide a brilliant service um, to people living with IBD across Ireland. And there's membership areas. You know, there's connection to other people. There's member events and meetups peer support Um, and for myself as a health psychologist I do provide um, support to people who who live with Crohn's and colitis as well so people can find me through my website which is wholehealthpsychology.ie
3: Okay I'll leave it there Uh,
7: Perfect, thanks uh,
3: Thank you very much wholehealthpsychology.ie that's 18 stack you can just google IBD Day Ireland it'll all come up
5: the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to
1: 27th. May 25th to 27th. You me feel. Every year, we speak to people touched by cancer. So, if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96FM.ie to find out more.
5: The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You you make me feel...
1: Only on Corks 96 FM. The
5: lines are live. Oh,
1: hello, join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or
0: WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
1: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
0: is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96. M- Just listening to that story and
3: following it over the weekend The despicable scenes from Dublin Where tents were burnt People were sleeping in tents in Dublin And they were burnt out following protests uh, These horrible far-right individuals The carry-on in Dublin with immigrants This is from Tim Brosnan The carry-on in Dublin with immigrants Is the responsibility of the government Firstly, it's accepting people it can't accommodate and secondly, a mob should not have been allowed gather and burn them out. The Phoenix Park is ideal for a tented village as temporary accommodation. Roderick O'Gorman should now resign this situation developed on his watch. It was actually very frightening to watch it at the weekend. Some of the videos being shared on social media and these thugs cheering on what they had done which was burn people out Of their tents And chase them out of where they were trying to get Some little bit of refuge it was despicable Absolutely despicable Do you know? Um, really is And it's connected to this stupid hashtag Ireland is full What a load of old palaver Although Tim is right in one point The government is taking people in That it can't accommodate you have to start looking at that now at this point Not because Ireland is full But because it isn't Far from it But because we actually don't have space But that's got nothing to do And is absolutely not an endorsement Of what the thuggery that took place at the weekend it was just disgraceful 0818 96 96 96 We want to go back to Beaumont, or sorry, Ballincollig Fire Station uh, Mags McKenna was on she was on with me last week you remember uh, she wanted to thank us for having herself and Kieran, another one of the activists on the show they had a great turnout at Ballincollig Fire Station Friday evening that was a demonstration to show unity between the community and the firefighters also to show Cork City Council that Ballincollig wants a full time station it was a demonstration a community came together And are now forming an action group and we will move forward from there with more demonstrations one strongly suspects you know that as we head into local elections which are this time next year in around may of 2024 we'll be having local elections this fire station will become a very very big local election issue out there and people will be watching their seats in the balancolic electoral area Politicians did attend the event, some local and national reps, but none of them spoke at the demo because this was all about community. There was some national media uh, interviewed us on Friday morning, so the demonstration was mentioned on national TV uh, but they themselves were not there at half six, the national media, with a good turnout from the young to the old. I just do strongly suspect, very strongly, that if something isn't done to sort out that situation in Ballancolig, it will become a very, very strong local election issue in May of 2024. And woe betide anyone who gets on the wrong side of the people of Ballancolic if you're looking to defend your council seat. 0818 96, 96, 96. Now another story that has been bubbling for a while is the story of Beaumont Beaumont Nursing Home Um, 73 residents there and the group that runs it um, Care Choice is pulling it out of the Fair Deal scheme Uh, John Murphy, good morning to you
6: Good morning PJ
3: This is very personal to you, tell me why
6: well it, it's very worrying and um, my dad is in his 99th year he will be 99 years old and ironically in Beaumont uh, three years uh, on his birthday in um, in uh, October this year and it took him a long time to settle in there he spent his life uh, on the railway uh, walking the line between Cove and Cork uh, making sure it was safe he spent oh, he's 40 years one of the permanent way people was he yes yeah from nineteen forty nine and till his retirement day in nineteen eighty nine mm-hmm. um my dad was always very healthy and active um so he really was living on his own um not bothering to stay too much uh until he was seventy uh, until he was ninety seven years old, mm-hmm. which when he had a series of falls, he got very nervous, and at that stage, we had to contemplate you know uh, putting him into a retirement home yes. And uh, we were lucky to get the place in in 2020 in Beaumont Residential, which he loves. Now, it mm-hmm. took him a long time to settle in because like he'd been he'd been in his own house for, I think, 50 something years. Yes. And he didn't want to leave. Uh, I visit him every week um, and call down to him because I work in Dublin. And I must say the care he's getting in Beaumont Residential is second to none. Um, the man is very happy there. He's still able to dress himself, still able to go to Lou on his own. So he's very proud of what he can do by himself. Yes, of but course. But unfortunately, he can't live on his own anymore. And uh, we won't be able to afford the bills if the fair deal system is cancelled. No. For, um, for
3: people, John, who wouldn't be familiar with the fair deal scheme, it's been around since forever, but like these most of these things, unless it knocks on your door, you don't understand it. This is a scheme whereby the state pays for a certain amount of your dad's care, correct?
6: That's correct, yeah. And you normally find this... Basically how it works is... In our case, um, obviously, my dad's situation, uh, although he was 97 at the time, it came suddenly um, where we had to figure out, you know, he couldn't live at home. It's a very emotional decision, both for obviously your parent and for yourself, because you don't want to be responsible for putting your dad into care if he doesn't need to. And he certainly didn't want to go in but he couldn't obviously he wasn't able to understand that he just couldn't live on his own anymore so then you contact the fair deal people and you find out you know the options that you have uh, they do a means assessment on your parent and they that and that bit plus how capable uh, he is or incapable he is sorry of living on his own gives a fair deal amount, uh, which I think it was called in the papers about 1,040 or something like that, yeah. uh, 1,040 per week okay. towards his care. Okay, But the problem here is actually, it's an understandable problem. Obviously, we all know the cost of living has increased dramatically since 2019. And um, like the residents, uh, the HSE basically are ultimately responsible, but the people who run the fair deal system are the National Treatment Purchase Fund. OK, OK. And they, um, Beaumont have been in contact with them for the last six to nine months, asking them to review the rates and. Um, now the HSE also look after, say, f- say, same Finbars, which does the same thing as a private organisation, but they increased the yearly, or sorry, the the, the weekly subscription by one hundred and eighty-three euros per resident right. in their own home, without but getting too, too bogged down. I suppose to that old, <laughs> you
3: know. without without yeah. getting too bogged down. I suppose in the in the figures, I just was anxious yeah. to explain how it works for people. So now Beaumont is leaving the
6: scheme because the scheme just isn't paying the bills. It's not fit for purpose. Yeah, it's not fit for purpose. They're losing money. They have been losing money. Um, It puts them in an awful situation. But this is really not just about Beaumont because uh, since this news broke last week, uh, multiple care home providers, uh, as in large care home provider companies, have said that they, too, will have to exit the fair deal scheme. So this is a national crisis uh, because it could mean, like in Beaumont, I'm told 50% of the residents are on fair deal. So where are they all going to go? uh, What's going to happen to
3: your dad, John?
6: I don't know. What I've been told by the care home is they're hoping that the HSE in the short term will come in and fund the difference. So that uh, people on Fair Deal won't be discommoded, uh, you know, but the problem is here is this is countrywide. It's not Beaumont are the first people to do this, yeah. but there's a whole lot of people across the country in private care that will now you know, there's probably people at the moment applying for Fair Deal um might even get a place now. Is, is it a kind of a on.
3: is it a kind of a shot across the bows? Of the the state to say, look, we are going to have to exit this scheme. Where are we going to put people like John's dad? Like, he can't, obviously, Patrick. He can't come home.
6: Yes, that's and right. And you can't afford to pay the full fees.
3: Yes. So what happens?
6: Uh, so the only interim is that the HSE will see sense uh, with the with the National Treatment Purchase Fund and negotiate proper, uh, meaningful um, uh, increases that cover the cost of living, so that these people will not be put out of their homes. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I think it's a massive failure of government policy, and I'd ask our own t- uh, Tanisha, Michal Martin from Cork, and also from Michal McGrath, who's the Minister for Finance, to personally step in and well, stop this disaster well, from when getting you hear, any worse. When you hear, John,
3: of the huge surpluses that the government are gathering at the moment from yes. corporation tax and other sources you mm-hmm. know you, you it must be very frustrating to see your dad's carers struggling and losing money and yet the coffers are bulging with excess taxes
6: yes it is and like there's something radically wrong in this country when It can even come to this. You know, why should I be on the radio discussing my father's personal business? But I have to because Mm. it affects him and thousands of pensioners across the country. Like everybody has a mom and dad. Um, Not all of us are lucky enough to be able to pay privately for their care. So what's going to happen to all these people Mm, if the government don't stand up and take responsibility? Like they're the most vulnerable people. Like I have to go into my dad by the end of this month and tell him that you may have to leave this home. May, ask
3: I, ask, may I ask you, John, is he still uh, compass mentis? Does he still yeah, under- he does would he understand be, what's he going
6: would on? Like, yeah? yeah, he would understand, but it's very hard for him to like to rationalise it. He wouldn't be able to... like, He spent ages getting used to the place. He loves Beaumont. He has a room there. He has his meals coming. He's very, very well looked after by the people that work there. But, like... I, if you're going to tell like he just he actually thinks that the CIE pension pays for everything which it doesn't i know you know so like but when if if this reality or if this becomes a reality like what do you do how do you tell it to him like this man's going to freak out as are most of the other residents um and you know how many people are going to be lose their lives because of this like it's It's so cruel for uh, the government not to be... uh, They're ignoring Beaumont for the last six to nine months. Like, this is a serious issue. Well, if they go, they start the ball rolling
3: and loads more will go. Yeah, and And they're already... You'll end up with people who can't afford to pay privately, stuck at home in situations where they can no longer be
6: at home. Yeah. And that's totally uh, like it's unsafe, you know. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I would look after my dad if I could, but I don't have the skills required. Exactly. So, it's not something that someone can do by themselves. And, like, my dad paid his taxes, he worked for 40 years on the railway, and this is the thanks he gets. He's yeah. on a meager pension uh, and a small pension from CIE. But he's done his time for the country, and in his 1990 years, somebody's going to have to tell him, "Well, Dad, you know, you can't stay in there anymore because the the government won't pay for you."
3: And there's also then this problem of finding nursing home places. Like even if anyone had to go, had to if 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 someone had to leave Beaumont, there's a family here just being told about they have a loved one in Bishopstown. The nearest bed they
6: can get is in Mallow. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. You know, there's no thought at all being put into this, and the annoying thing that is, if my dad, and this is a very important point, if he was lucky enough to have got into Finbars, which is run by the HSE, there would be no problem at all, and he would have got. Yeah, he. We wouldn't be having it, and he would be getting 183 euros extra uh, towards his care uh, versus 16. That they're offering the private operators. And the funding is actually 783 euros a week more before that. So, like, there's something radically wrong here. Um, it's really, really not a level playing pitch. And that's why the private uh, companies can't compete with the HSE. They lose all their staff to the HSE because the HSE can pay more. Ridiculous. It's a crazy situation. It's also ridiculous. It's crazy. Like, I mean, I can't believe that I'm on the radio talking to you about it because uh, when you discuss it, you think, this doesn't make any sense. How can this be happening in 2023 in Ireland, you know? Yeah. My yeah. regards to your dad, John. Thank uh, you very much, PJ, and thanks for the to time to highlight this it's an situation. Awful, it's an awful, it is an awful
3: situation. It's an appalling situation. Um, it,
8: that
6: things But uh, to- hopefully... Uh, uh, the Taunish and uh, Michal Martin and uh, Michael McGrath will intervene ASAP in this serious situation and stop, P- uh, and stop the vulnerable uh, elderly people on Fair Deal being basically put out of their care homes. All right. John, thank you. Uh, 018 96,
3: 96 96 And I know, I know before I'm accused of being simplistic about the surplus that's mounting up, that it is all down to corporation tax and that some of it might not be there next year or might not be there the year after, so we have to treat it like windfall and all. I get all that. I get all that. But there are people facing having to leave their care home for want of some money. And I know that they're going to start to talk about the budget now and we'll be sick to the back teeth of the budget over the next couple of months before it's announced in October we'll know it all well in advance and I read in the paper this morning where Leo Varadkar and Michael McGrath are already fighting over who gets what and who might get what and Leo's people are warning him don't be taking Michael McGrath as a nice, soft, smiling Corkman don't face him down and it'll get very interesting but at the same time you've got stories there like that family 99 years of age this man worked and paid his taxes all his life needs to be cared for because he can't do it on his own anymore his family can't afford to pay full time private rates there's money there to top up the fair deal scheme. It's, it's, it's a great scheme. It's a super scheme. It's a disgrace that it should come to this. 0818 96 96 96. Apropos of nothing, I'm looking at this top comment on my screen here. I was in Dublin at the weekend, says this caller, and I went to visit the Regency Hotel. You didn't. I did. Went to see the Regency Hotel. It's booming. Twas jammed. I know where it is. It was always a busy place. I'm not sure if it's all the publicity they're getting, for other reasons or not. But it was actually heaving and a very nice place. I could thoroughly recommend it. There you go. You won't be expecting that to come in every Monday, would you?
13: 96 FM. Uh, Gary Barlow's after becoming a property developer. That's his new business now. Do you know he's had a couple of businesses? Yeah. He had a, a publishing company, I assume music publishing. He did that new show, Let It Shine. But he also uh, had organic wine, which sold over half a million bottles. He had that business where he created uh, pubs for shorter people,
0: didn't he? Barlow. <laughs> Limited, <laughs> Gary Barlow Limited
1: Casey and Ross in the morning Test drive the award winning Skoda Enyaq Electric SEV At No DC Cars Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year
12: Corks 96FL
3: Before I go anywhere else Alan at Carlo Weather Has just done a prediction For the rest of the week And he is saying In his own inimitable way ice cream makers and burger bun bakers might want to be stocking up for the end of this week into next weekend. And we know Alan over the last couple of late spring summers when he makes a prediction he generally knows what he's talking about so it looks like the weather might be about to come really good for us uh, coming into next weekend which would be very nice. 0818 96, 96, 96. I remember talking to Jade Foley, during Glow Up Ireland a couple of years ago and she'd been talking uh, about her mental health of late and Jade, one would not have thought you would be a person that would ever worry about looking at yourself in the mirror. Good morning.
11: Good morning. Well, that's nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I would have thought yeah. that. You know, you. Yeah, I would have thought you're the kind of person who, who passes the mirror every morning and goes, I like that. So no, how,
11: not at all. So oh, how did I it get my that first way? Of, um, do you know what? When I was a kid, I was actually quite cocky, imagine. <laughs> you know, going around thinking you're the best thing since sliced pan kind of thing. But as I kind of grew older, um, I started to be, like, the things that I would have never noticed started to get pointed out. Um, Just, like, my features and things, like, being really tall, like I've been, what, 5'10", since I was about 11, so that would definitely make a stand out from the crowd. I, you know, I'm mixed race, so like I was way dark when I was younger, so I was like I wouldn't have been mixed race, like visually I would have definitely been looking as black. Mm. So I kind of had a lot of things about me that made me look very different to everybody and there was nobody else around me that looked the same. So even like my cars and things and my hair texture and stuff, there was just nobody else around me that I could look at to be like, ah, that's normal, you know? So I never felt visually like I looked like everybody else. Stock did play a big toll on me because mm. you'd be trying to look like the girls around you, you know, with the straight hair and the blonde and the blue eyes and stuff. And I'd go on holidays like maybe twice a year before and... I'd be under the towel, trying not to get any bit darker because I just didn't want any more comments being told. Like, you know, being told, like, a lot of time, oh, you'd only be pretty if you were white kind of a thing was just, as a kid, like, it does play as tall. Yeah. That's so, very sad. Yeah, there was a point where I actually used to cover my mirrors with my blankets and stuff and just wouldn't even look at them. Just didn't want to know what I looked like. Um, so that's I terrible to hear that, I,
3: Jade. That's absolutely terrible to hear that.
11: Do you know what, though? It's actually a very... I suppose by a lot of people who didn't grow up looking the norm, it's a very common experience just kind of not liking what you have until you're a lot older, I suppose. But um, I did struggle with my body as well and shape and things because I fluctuate from being slimmer to like more curvy and things. So, I yeah, for years anyways, I suffered with body dysmorphia and not liking myself. So then when I kind of came into makeup, it helped me to, I suppose, not constantly look at my body bare face every day and look at it for its features but more so like as a blank canvas to paint on and then I kind of grew thankful for like my big lid space you know and my features that I could just paint on and stuff on my skin that I didn't have too many issues with you know so it was um definitely a learning curve after a while to not take everything people say literally because yeah. you know a lot of people who comment on you yeah, don't really like themselves either
3: and with the success of the uh, that that you enjoyed on Glow on Up and your makeup success and your TikTok following does that do, 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 you, do you kind of ever say to yourself well everybody else around me seems to like me
11: um, do you know what I don't really think about being liked by other people as much as you probably think that you would considering you get comments every day saying that kind of stuff but I suppose when I'm out in public and people come up and say it to me like unprovoked I'm just walking and I'll hear people be like oh my god I follow her or they come up and be like I follow you I've been following you since literally before lockdown when people yeah. say stuff like that it's like how does that, that feel when shocking. you hear
3: that That, 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 that must, does it's, that feel good
11: it's very shocking every single time and that's been happening for like obviously since lockdown now so every single time it shocks me because it's like you genuinely don't believe that somebody would want to keep up with you and what you're doing for that long. It's like you feel like one of those, the Kardashians with the keeping up with the Kardashians, people know what's going on in your life since then. Yeah. Um, but I suppose I I didn't think about it until the show. And then I realized, okay, when I saw an article of people saying, because I don't have Twitter, there was an article written about me and the sun where people were like, um, people were gutted that fan favourite Jade was leaving, and I didn't think that there was that much discourse over me leaving at all. Um, so that was like one of the craziest moments to think that a whole article was written about people not wanting me to leave the show. Um, so yeah, you're very
3: critical of yourself. You know that.
11: Oh, yeah, extremely. I'm my worst critic. But, you know, the reason why is I'm such a perfectionist. I want to always do my best and always strive to be as good as I can in anything that I do because I I suppose I believe in my own potential now. So it's like I don't want to hinder my own opportunities by thinking, oh, yeah, stay comfortable now in this spot and there's no room for growth. Straw sort of kind of a way.
3: Mm-hmm. I was upset to read there's a big, big piece of literature in RSVP Live this week, and I was, I was upset to read that some nasty racist stuff under your videos, you had to deal with that.
11: Oh, yeah, like, that's all the time. Um That's, like, all the time. Like, I remember before I started my life, literally recently, and I just called the N-word, the first comment, and I was just like, oh, that's lovely, lovely way to start the life. Um, and it's funny because I would still think that now my skin is a lot paler, so... I genuinely didn't think I'd still get comments like that considering I look a lot more like paler but people you know it's true when they say like someone who's racist will literally just see you as whatever they see in that group doesn't you know matter that's their how much you problem you know that's their problem
3: you know that says more about them than it ever said about you Jade you know that don't
11: you oh of course like I don't take that stuff to heart anymore because um, there's people out there as well that don't even like I literally was in a nightclub recently and someone comes to me and, like showed me a photo of a of some Irish girl and they said I looked at Bop Offer and I literally had no no similarities to her at all and I was like ah, I wouldn't even have those features like I'm, I have black features and stuff and they were like no you're not You're not one but black like you're not black and they just laughed in my face and walked away so there's people who either claim I'm black or people who claim I'm not and there's like like I literally there's no winning like your identity is picked by other people based on what they view of you so that's a constant thing I'm dealing with you know
3: That's sad I mean you know to me I, I see a picture of you wherever you're just jade
11: yeah that's a that's a very funny thing because a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people say aye that's just jade just jade that's a no,
3: no, no, I mean you're just it's jade whatever way you made up that's just you you are what exactly. you are you it's are who me. you are i mean you were saying about you didn't like being different but change the word from different to unique
11: exactly you know I thankfully don't um, put myself down about being different anymore. In fact, I use it to my advantage as much, as much as I can. Like I suppose online, I suppose a lot of my success can be um, thankfully put down to my Cork accent because it's not like you hear it every day on on the phone. You'd be hearing an American accent or UK accent. So when you hear someone say "I oh, watch the crack, lads on your screen, it's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> what's going on there? <laughs> so um, yeah, I think I've been using being different lately to my advantage, and I'm, you know accepting who I am, which I think also comes with age, I suppose, like I'm only 22, but like it did take me into like the last two years to finally be comfortable in my own skin. So, you know, if there's anyone else out there that's young or in school or whatever that doesn't like who they are, like it does gen- definitely get better with age because you know, when you're in school and you're surrounded by that type of like environment every day, because I eventually had to get homeschooled like because yeah. of um my mental health and stuff. So, yeah. Um, I could just vouch for those people. Just say, like, genuinely, just one school is done. You'll never even remember those years. Like, you don't remember them at all.
3: Yeah, you know so, yeah. It, it'll pass. It'll pass. Everything will be. Everything will be fine. It's great to talk to you. And people can follow you on the Instagram. And are you on? Are you on Twitter these days?
11: No, I'm still not on it. I think that place is more of the scariest place I could possibly go because they're yeah, very group it's long dumb. There.
3: It's a dump. If you don't have to be on it, don't be. Instagram, Instagram, <laughs> yeah. at Jay, it's Instagram Jade Foley. And TikTok, and TikTok it's yes. Jade Foley. Take care of yourself, girl. All right.
11: Thank you so much.
3: Cheers. Bye-bye. 0818 96, 96, 96. I spoke to her during the show um, when they, 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 they low up Ireland. And there's just something really, really, really likeable about her. She really is nice. 0818 96 96 96 (laughs) On the Regency I Like I read this out This is I I read it again You don't expect to get this on a Monday morning A random Monday morning in the middle of May I was in Dublin over the weekend I went to the Regency Hotel Man, it's booming It was jammed (laughs) Not sure if it's that way all the time Or if it's just the publicity they've had for certain reasons Of late But it was actually heaving And a nice hotel yeah, very nice place, I could thoroughly recommend it well I would because I know it I think, I think I stayed there years ago, I did actually stay there once or twice, years and years ago, it is a nice hotel, it was always a nice hotel um, and then I'm skidding at the, the text recommending the Regency it wasn't signed Jerry H by any chance, says Mags no Mags, I don't know who it is but I know the hotel, it actually always was quite a nice hotel Oh, I think I think I might have been at a was I at a confirmation was it there or some other place? I was at a confirmation party. Yonks ago. O oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety-six ninety-six. Tear up some more of your correspondence on Lerne Le Gros. Talking to Grania earlier this morning. Lovely to hear a passionate teacher like Grania on the radio. Those children are very lucky to have a role model like that and the freedom to just learn through play. Children are expected to sit for far too long in the early years of schooling. I'd like to congratulate her and wish her constant success and continued success. That's from Siobhan. And on IBS, stroke IBD, stroke ulcerative colitis and whatever you're unfortunately having yourself, it took me years to get an IBD diagnosis. I was six stone... It was showing up on CT and the registrar was just saying it's a rotavirus. But going back over the years, doctors used to say she must want a day off school or that it was women's issues or hormones. I was 35 when I got a diagnosis of Crohn's. I've had three feet of my, three feet of my bowel removed, but the Crohn's has returned to where it was taken from. IBD isn't just a tummy ache and it's definitely nothing like IBS Says Maeve. Yeah, Maeve. I had for a few years. I used to get IBS. I don't anymore. For some reason, it it seems to have sorted itself out. I never figured out what the trigger was. At one point, I gave up my beloved pint of Guinness because I thought that was what it was, but it wasn't. I thought it was spicy food, but I could eat the spiciest food on the planet, and I would. I haven't had it for years. Just lucky. But that was just a bit of IBS. And I, I learned to take stuff if I feel it coming on. But IBD is a totally different thing. A lot of people are really sick with that. On Mermont Road, they were in touch with us last week about lights, uh, street lights being out on Mormon Road, reported the fault on 27th of April. They came Tuesday, 9th May, to fix them, so we had lights. Then we had no lights again on Wednesday or Thursday. We had them again on Friday. None on Saturday or Sunday. This is terrible carry-on and so dangerous that the elderly people. Thank you. So, the Mermant Road Montanotti streetlights seem to be on and off and on and off and on and off. Bit like a disco show. Maybe maybe they're on in time with Sia. I don't know. No, that's not funny, though. Either fix them or don't, like. Uh, I've been... started doing this last week, and I'll try and do it for you every week. If not every week, every two weeks or so. Rec- recommending for you for the summertime books for the beach, rather than doing loads of different authors and, and that sort of thing. I'll just recommend good books for you. Um, I have two for you today that I read over the last week or so. Um, one is Catherine Ryan Howard. I have had it at home on a shelf since last year when it came out and never got a chance to read it until last week, 10 days. It is Runtime by Catherine Ryan Howard, super writer and another home dinger of a book. You'll enjoy that one. And then I spent the weekend engrossed in Ty Coakley's fantastic new book, again at Corkman, Before He Kills Again. It's the second novel in the Collins series, and it's set between the city and West Cork. And one thing I love about it is the geography of the city and West Cork in Ty's books, you can see the places he's talking about it's absolutely fantastic, so there's two great books for the suitcase, Ty Coakley Before He Kills Again and Catherine Ryan Howard Runtime, I'll give you more as we get through the summer
1: Join the conversation Call us now, 0818 96, 96, 96.
0: This is The Opinion line with PJ Coogan Crunch 96 well, a
3: little giveaway for you all this week in association with the biggest 90s and noughties disco coming up on the 27th May at the INEC in Killarney. Cork's 96. i proudly presenting that event. A night of noughties and '90s with the artists that dominated the charts and there'll be a few of them there. Keep us some of the names during the week. Tickets at biggestdisco.com but I have four tickets per day to give away to you and three friends to go to the INEC in Clarney Saturday May the 27th We're going to play a song from that era, but play it backwards. You did well on this actually I was surprised to see so many right answers One more go... The voice is fairly distinctive, and you'd pick up on the band fairly easily. The song might be a bit more difficult, or so I thought.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Your last chance to get into that now, 83 396 96, 96, artist and song. And we'll draw one before quitting time. Is there a better toy was ever invented than Lego. Now Lego has changed because I remember having Lego and we had this huge bag, like a great big shopping bag you know those huge big sacks you get, you went to a place like Deals and they have these, kind of they're kind of a fabric sack and you'd put a week's washing into them, the alone a week's groceries we used to have one of them or two of them sometimes, full of all different kinds of Lego Every conceivable, nothing in boxes, nothing in pictures, nothing, just just loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of Lego. And it was the best toy ever invented for children. It's still out there. It's all very much changed. There is an enormous event coming up at the Marina Market in June on Saturday 24th and Sunday 25th called the Cork Brick Show, which will be a celebration of Lego, I'm joined by two Mikes. Mike Finn is a Lego enthusiast, and our old pal Mike O'Sullivan, Mike the Farmer O'Sullivan, who, Mike, I'll start with you, Mike O'Sullivan, I would not have taken you for a Lego enthusiast until you <laughs> sent us a picture of your self-portrait of yourself built in Lego. Morning! Good morning, how are Complete you, doing? with red bushy beard. Yes, it we me trying to get the colour of my beer bricks. Or
14: we would, let's just say it was a challenge. Wait, when
3: we, did you start collecting Lego? And how on earth did you start? Did you start collecting Lego?
14: Well, I've been starting since I was a child, but I wasn't collecting as much. But then in the last, I say the last twenty years, well, you buy one set for Christmas, maybe two, maybe three. Like I don't, I don't drink, as you know, and look, I am not a big fan of television, so. That's what I use to to switch off from the yard, is play with Lego, right, right? And it's the only way you keep me sitting still because I'm 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 like I've got fleas in my pants. I can't get off the chair. I can't stay still like. Right. And I just started with like playing with Lego, and I started, then I started progressing doing shows, and with the Brick Show Ireland, which which is the the um, the crowd is doing the marina, which we're looking forward to mentioning myself and Mike. Mm. Um yep. Uh, basically, we've it's it just it's a showcase and it, like it it opens up it opens up the imagination of everyone, children yeah. and adults.
3: Yeah, Mike, Mike, Phil, I bring you in there. It, it, I'm looking forward to this because it's more an exhibition, really, isn't it, and a huge demonstration of just what can be done and what is out there.
13: It's a massive outlet for anyone. We really, the show is incredible. Like it's myself, and my son who actually take part in it together. Like we built. Serious month Lego playing, Lego Ninjago, Lego Technic, and uh, like the planning that goes into this—you have, you have to decide in. Okay, there's new sets up we say in January or June. Right. You pick or four. You pick and go. Yeah, look, this will fit to what we what we're currently displaying, you know. But it's a massive, massive event mm. for anyone to go to. Like as Michael something there said, it's something unique. It's it's
3: very different. I I remember having Lego as a kid and having just everything thrown into this enormous big sack and you'd pull it out and just root around it and you'd build something. It's all changed now. It's it's pro- it's proud project work now, isn't
13: it, Mike? It is, yes. And like I was saying with you, I had boxes of Lego building a farm from it or building you know, whatever you wanted out of it. Yeah. But now it's gone so technical so small and it's totally modified in a way you know like Lego is not just for kids. It's for as well. I say we make a, a proof of.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mike, son, like, yeah. I remember my, my my son got it years ago. We got it. We got a, a Lego Santa brought him a, a Lego sort of garage with it with, with cars in it, and yeah. I was amazed at everything. Now is built to its own little tiny instructions. Does that take the imagination out of it, or what? When
14: not, not really. But like, if you if 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 you are going to give a call, down to us. You will see exactly how how mad my imagination is, as well as Mike's imagination and and the fellow that's Like I have a mini city. I have a mini city made. It's the picture, It's fantastic. And I, if it's it's like I know you're probably wondering how am I finding time for this guy, but is just yeah, you you find time for it. Yeah. And and like there's like I, there will be the biggest death star between uh, between Ireland and England there.
3: Really, all, all the Star Wars.
14: There's a, there's, a, there's a, well, like the thing is the whole show com- the whole show will compare a wide range of stuff. So like look, we're not all depending on Lego, the Lego Friends. Like, as Mike says, there like there's Lego Technic and then Lego there's Lego Friends, the Lego Creator, yeah. then there's Mox which are completely random stuff that we make out of our heads. And trust me, I have a few wacky things. That's that's what co- I
3: was saying about Mike, Mike Finn. Yeah. The old style. You make it completely out of your yes. head. You just you just dive into the crate and start building.
13: And start digging around for pieces and boxes. And
3: yeah.
13: stuff, windows and doors. And even... you you be putting wheels on hoax to edge. and hoaxes at that stage.
3: And there's motors and everything like...
13: Oh, there is, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, we were set down... Oh, it's, um a Volvo six-wheeler she works off Bluetooth from the phone what? a Volvo? She, yeah it's a, it, it, it actually drives from my phone I can drive the Volvo.
3: a remote yeah. control car that drives with your phone built out of Lego
13: correct well, PJ
14: I have I've a spider built. I have a spider built out with a with the, with the motor and the Bluetooth as well and that's going to freak everybody out. I'm looking forward to letting, the, the letting that you loose.
3: Ah, <laughs> listen, lads, i would have to come down to this.
13: Oh, you have to, because, like, I think even though the forecast I sent on to Fergal there that time, uh, the Volvo six-wheeler is actually in there. But like, she actually works off my phone then. And same with my spider. Like, Bluetooth motors have come a huge, modified way into Lego. It's actually incredible.
3: Yeah. Are there any drones made out of Lego yet, lads?
14: not we're on it, it. Mike we're working on it sorry there's a few questions already but look we're working on it <laughs> I'm not the best pilot. <laughs> but at least, at least I, can bring, I need to build it back again.
3: <laughs> it's probably best. It's, I can imagine the laugh you two have. It's probably best to book for this at Eventbrite.ie. It's at the Marina Market now it's weeks away yet. It's the 24th, 25th June, but five, but five or six weeks away. But it will sell out. There are two sessions a day on the Saturday and, and the Sunday. And BJ,
14: and you can tell the people who are booking as well, don't be afraid to ask us. Look look for the big fellow with the big, big red beard. I'll answer. It's any hard friend. to miss you now. Come on now, I can hide behind a two by one. I'm, I'm slim, I'm slim. i probably <laughs> one thin two by one. But, um, but look, don't be afraid to ask the displayers any questions because we will answer everything as much as we can because
3: look, we love talking about Lego. I'm coming down I'm coming, definitely coming down for a a look at this lads. Mike O'Sullivan and Mike Finn. Cork Brick Show at Marina Market in June. Now it's five or six, five, maybe six weeks away. Yes. And there are it's 11 quid for adults. There's a family ticket for 32 quid of two adults and two children. It is a paid event in the Marina Market, but i they will have a huge display of all sorts of Lego. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good fun. 96. Where are we going? Oh yeah, right. Who is this then?
1: All, well,
0: MTS...
3: Colin Hackett. Did you figure out who that is? Now down in the KLM Bar on Lord Glenmire Road. Hi, TJ. How are you doing? The song, the, the, the artist good. isn't difficult. No,
14: no, no. Uh, oh, it's just Wonderwall. Wonderwall, let's have a
3: listen. There you are, you're right. All right, you and four friends are headed off to the 90s and at the INEC on the 27th of May. Enjoy. Oh, fantastic, TJ. How
14: are things down That's- the KLM? I
3: haven't been in there in a few years.
14: Uh, we're all good. We're all good down there. We're all
3: tuned into every day. Excellent. Great to hear it. Great to hear it. Enjoy, enjoy that show when you get down there. We're doing that every day. This week, we'll have a song from the era in reverse, and you'll have to guess, and we have four tickets to give away to the biggest 80s, or the biggest 90s noughties disco at the INEC in Killarney. I think that's about it. It's been a busy enough old Monday. Programme edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine.
5: The Corks 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th.
1: May 25th to 27th. You, me feel... you can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day.
5: And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise, so get planning now. Get
1: planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon supporting Cork Cancer Services
5: May 25th to 27th. You you may feel only on Corks 96 FM